1: Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. This is episode 281, believe it or not, and really glad you could all join us. Thank you so much for supporting this podcast over the last three years. We've really enjoyed bringing them to you and hope you've enjoyed listening to them. Uh, On this one, we have a left arm spin special. On Thursday night in the virtual cricket club that Simon Mann and I have created in aid of the Cricketers Trust, the Professional Cricketers Trust, we had both the England's best left arm spinner, Jack Leach, And also, the best T20 left arm spinner in the world in the women's game, Sophie Eccleston. They joined us together to talk about how they discovered spin, their careers generally, uh, the last season or so. And also, uh, they entered jointly our special quiz How Well Do You Know Yourself? And actually, they did pretty well. So wait for the results of that later in the show. So that's coming up in a couple of minutes. Just a couple of things to mention first. Uh, One is that virtual cricket club. We really want more of you to join if you can. It's in aid of the Professional Cricketers Trust, that charity that supports cricketers who've fallen on hard times. Uh, we've got over 100 members now, but we want more members. So if you can join us, it's £6 a month. You get four live events, lots of blogs. I've also created a WhatsApp group as well, especially for that virtual cricket club, which we're calling the World's Best Cricket Club. So you can go to it by clicking on worldsbestcricketclub.com. We've got some great guests coming up as well. So that six pounds a month really does buy you lots of great listening and watching experiences. If you can't join us at seven o'clock on a Thursday night, you can watch the video on catch up afterwards. So it really is worth doing. And the people who we've had so far have had real fun, really enjoyed it, been able to ask direct questions to our guests like Joe Root and Mark Wood and Stuart Broad and so on. And we've had some real fun with it. So hope you can join us for that. Next Thursday night, we've got Alistair Cook on the show from 7pm. Just one other thing, and that is a thank you to Beer52 for supporting this podcast as well. Actually, I've never been that much of a beer drinker, funnily enough, even though I was a bowler. I was more into, I don't know, gins, actually, in fact. and But I've really got into beer in the last few months, and it's amazing. I've discovered, actually, that there are over 10,000 craft beer companies around the world... USA and the UK are the leaders. Actually, the UK have got three more craft breweries than the USA. And Beer 52 really canvasses the world for the best craft beers and supplies those in nice batches of eight. So you can actually get a free batch of eight beers all from around the world from Korea from Sweden a little bit random uh, some of them are really different in in style and taste some of them have got sort of chocolate flavors and peanut flavors and some really interesting blends actually so you can get those free eight beers From Beer52, if you go to beer52.com slash cricket and you get those free eight beers with just £5.95 paid for postage and packing and so on. And it'll be delivered straight to your door. Okay, so let's go into the interview we did on Thursday night with Sophie Eccleston and Jack Leach. And it was the first time, interestingly, that they'd ever been together on a show, uh, which was uh, so a nice little exclusive for us. And we started asking both of them, how did they really get into spin in the first place?
0: I was quite a tomboy when I was younger so on a Saturday my dad would be playing cricket and my brother would be scoring so my mum was like you can come shopping with me or you can go to the cricket with <laughs> your dad and your brother so I was like I'm going to cricket I'm not going shopping <laughs> I, think I just ended up going on a Saturday and I spent like I was like eight or nine hours at the cricket club and I just ended up starting playing picking up a ball picking up a bat with the boys in the nets and yeah it all started from there really but yeah I was young five or six so I used to play football and you used to play cricket at the cricket club, and that's where my love for sport came from, really.
1: And um, and how hard was it? Because my my daughter played a lot with boy, with boys in different teams, and she actually enjoyed the the boys' cricket at school actually more than the girls' cricket because the the ball, bowling was a bit faster, and actually she just enjoyed the energy of the boys' cricket a bit more. What what was it like for you? Yeah, I think
0: I found it hard at the start. I think when I was younger, uh, I think when I was like under 11s, when it was past cricket, I think. I started going, even football was the same. He started going to sort of play games on a Sunday morning, and I'd turn up and they'd be like, Oh, there's a girl playing. Like, she won't be very good. Like, it's only a girl. I hope I get her bowling at me. Or, like, little comments like that. And I think sometimes, I think when I was doing, I think when I heard the first time, I think I cried a few times thinking, Oh, why are they so horrible? But I think the boys at my cricket club were like brothers to me at the end, and they always stuck up for me. And I think they kind of knew that I wasn't just a girl that play cricket. I could actually play, and I'd been playing, playing for a few years. So it was quite nice when I was older that. I play with the boys' team, and that's why I'm really close to them now. And they taught me all I know, really.
2: At what age did you just think, actually, I'm quite good at this? You know, you pick up a ball or a bat, and you think, actually, you know, I can play this game.
0: I, don't, I think it was when I was like twelve or thirteen. I think we had a, we had an overseas cricketer at our club, and his name was his name was Nick. And I think I started playing the nets, just messing around. Really, I never really knew that I was any good. I just just I like the social life of playing cricket. I think be with the girls, with the boys, having a bit of a laugh and. He was like, "You're actually really good, so like, you should take it more seriously and go and trial for Cheshire or something." And I was like, "No, don't be so silly. Like, I just enjoy playing my friends." But yeah, I'm really glad he said that, and I'm glad I
2: went. The other thing as well, about you know, if bowling left arm spin. I mean, did you did you bowl left arm spin when you were twelve, thirteen? I mean, did did someone teach you how to do it? Because it is a, it's you know, it's not like if you run it run in and bowl fast if someone just chucked you the ball run in and bowl or whatever you know how to bowl and you can sort of hurl it down but there's a there's a much greater degree of sophistication about bowling spin isn't there you have to you know, learn how to grip the ball and what you're actually trying to do
0: yeah I started bowling left on seam and I just used to bowl as fast as I could when I was younger like it could have got it could have gone anywhere so I used to bowl seam but then I think I bought an over spin and over seam in an under pairs game and one of the guys at my club, he played for Cheshire at the time. His name was Robin Fisher. He taught me everything I knew about left-arm spin, and basically why I'm a left-arm and now. He taught me how to bowl it, and all the facts I know now.
1: What about you, Jack? Did Did you start as a seam bowler?
3: I think I've always bowled spin. Really, um, I remember one net. I I went to club nets, and I had like a really shiny ball, and I was like swinging it, and I was like, oh, and I got like four wickets in the nets, and I was like saying to my dad on the way home, I was like. I think I'm going to bowl swing. Like, and he said, no, you're not. You're going to bowl spin. <laughs> and um, I'm glad he said that, to be honest, because um, I definitely couldn't have bowled fast or anything like that. So, um, yeah, it was it was obviously... Uh, but apart from that, it was all spin, yeah.
1: And d- d- did did your father draw you into it? Because it seems that generally in English society, it's the male side of the family that draw the, the child into playing cricket, either an uncle or a father or a brother or something. What was it in your case?
3: My parents moved to Taunton just before I was born. And um, so then my dad did have a little bit of interest in cricket. He wasn't, he didn't play much or anything like that, but he wanted to go down to Taunton and watch Somerset. So from a very young age, I was there watching. He said he took me to my first game when I was two weeks old. I don't really remember that one, but apart from that, yeah, was uh, all my childhood was down watching Somerset and playing uh, in the lunch break on the outfield and and that kind of thing. And I guess that's where your love for it sort of starts.
1: Because I think that's why women's cricket is so important is because it, it, at the moment, we're only dealing with sort of half the population because it's the male line which tends to draw the, the, the sons and daughters into playing. But now uh, with more women playing and more women interested in the game, it might be more women that take their sons and daughters and nieces and nephews down to play so I think it's I think we're at a kind of tipping point now where you know more women are going to start introducing their their children to cricket Sophie what's been your impact do you feel on you know parents do you do you know did you meet parents who say oh it's so great to have sort of a woman role model in a way
0: yeah, I've had a few parents come up to me and just say it's great to have you as a role model here for the girls because when I played for Olvenly, my club, it was I was the only girl at one stage, and that was me. That was I was the only girl in the whole of juniors that played cricket, and then slowly, like one, two, three, and now there's a, a own girls' team and a women's team at my club. There's forty plus girls and boys that play cricket at my club now, and I think to see that now and to think that was that was only me on my own one when I was younger. It's obviously great. And I think the parents, are so like I think looking at watching us on TV now for role models for the girls, it's just great to get them into the sport.
2: At what age, I mean, we we talked about either developer, what age both of you actually, what age did you when you were bowling left arm spin, did you pitch one and rip one past the outside edge of a of a right hander's uh, bat? Did you that that oh, was talking about it last week about that the the great feeling? The first time you do it, you think, Wow, this is amazing. It's like a you know, it's a magic trick almost.
0: Jack's done that a few times. <laughs> I was going to say I'm still trying to do it. <laughs>
3: um, yeah, I mean, I was always a bowler that um, didn't spin it much, but it was very accurate to start with. Like, um, that's that was kind of in kids' cricket growing up. You know, if you bowled a good ball, they'd block it, like, regardless of how much you were spinning it. So I felt like I probably developed a little bit later, like, trying to spin the ball. And um, for me growing up, and something that I try and remind myself now is, like, my favourite dismissal is getting someone out stumped, and like, you know, to do that, you have to get the ball up and down. And and for me, when I did that in club cricket growing up, I was fifteen and playing against these men who would think, "Oh, I'm going to try and whack you." They'd run down, hit you for six, and then the next ball you'd toss it up even more, and then they they'd miss it. And I try and remind myself of that because sometimes you can get a little bit defensive, a little bit uh, like flat, and and actually you still want to try and like beat them in the in the air. So um yeah that's something for me to remind myself that actually stump I want to get people out stumped as well as like beating the outside edge but yeah
1: so if what about you and your sort of philosophy do you do you share that kind of attitude Do you like trying to get people stumped as well
0: yeah I think definitely stumped a good one because you know the ball's turning I think for me when I'm bowling I just try and keep things simple and if I overcomplicate things and it starts to be a bit wrong so I think try and turn the ball as much as you can try and get like try to try and rip the ball and that's when I ball my best. So I think for a spinner, if you turn it and you know, when you go to India, I think all oh, the spinners love it. So when, it, when it's turning, you get someone stumped in India and it's ragging, you think, oh, this is great.
2: So what would you say to... I would. I've often heard Graham Swan say. He said that he said if I were teaching youngsters how to bowl, he said, bowl spin. He said I would get I would get them to I'd teach them how to grip the ball, but then I would get them to rip it as much as they can from a as young age as possible. You know, it's, it, it's about spin. It's interesting actually. Hear you he, Jack say for you, it was about accuracy. He he said I'd I'd get them to spin it as much as I, uh, they possibly could.
3: Yeah, and from my experience, I probably would do that as well. Getting people to spin the ball is the hard. Harder part. So if they're spinning it from a young age, then actually you can probably get that accuracy um, better. But playing the longer format of the game in England is like you have to be accurate because you know there's there's not so many like leg spinners playing in four day cricket. Um, you know they're probably more of a they play more of a part in the short format. And I think that's just because of how seamer friendly, you know, some of the wickets are. And then actually when a spinner comes on, they need to be able to tie up an end, otherwise they're gonna be off very quickly. So um it's probably a product of of the wickets that we yeah. play on in England and actually doesn't allow for for people, you know, eighteen, nineteen year olds coming into the game to like rip it but be a little bit inconsistent, um, because they need to be able to tie up an end. So I hear what Swanee's saying, definitely. And, um, I would agree with that. I mean, for me trying to rip the ball, like I have to be like, you know, I went through a few things with my action where I actually had to be like, if I think about ripping it, I'm worried about what my arm's going to do. So actually like I have to get my spin from my body. Um, and actually that's just, and then completing my action actually just allows that spin to happen naturally. So, Um, that's something for, for me to think about as well so yeah
1: actually fascinating that Sophie in particular started as a pace bowler and of course Phil Tufnell said that to us last week as well that he started as a left arm swing bowler and then realised that maybe spin was the way to go I, I agree with him actually I think fast bowling is a mug game spin is, is much more fun of course the boundaries need to be put back a bit for spinners but uh, generally nowadays with the big bats and the power that the batsmen have but generally it's a much easier task than ploughing up and down into the wind often, trying to purvey it at 80-odd miles an hour and just getting smacked back over your head all the time. So I think spin is, is definitely the way to go. And Look at the way the impact that spin has had, especially in T20. It's had a sort of resurgence, really, after being in the doldrums a bit, really, probably in the 90s. So, of course, Jack Leach is most famous for his incredible one not out in that amazing heading test match of 2019 that extraordinary last wicket partnership with Ben Stokes and so of course we got on to talking about that and we first said well what was the plan when he first went in what did Stokes say to Jack
3: he's told me the plan is I face two balls or one ball of each over and he faces four or five but at that point there's only four to win so he's thinking I'm going to finish it this over we didn't have that conversation, and. Um, so then I like start running at him and then he doesn't go anywhere and I absolutely
1: so you must have him. thought there you must have thought I I'm history.
3: Yeah, I thought I'm um, yeah, I'm going to be hated forever. But <laughs> you know it all happens so quickly and yeah all so slowly at the same yeah. time it's a weird weird feeling um and then obviously once that's happened the next ball Stokes is that that LBW show.
1: Should have been LBW, yeah. Well, Uh, well, I didn't didn't think think that was out, but Hawkeye said it was.
3: Yeah, and then I thought, oh, I'm going to have to face a hole over here. And I was shaking in between the overs. And then I just managed to knock one into a gap and I just ran as fast as I could because Stokes had called me through. And then I just knew I wouldn't have to face any more because Stokes is going to whack the next ball for four and um, come and thankfully bowled a short wide one and he absolutely nailed it and um yeah it was uh, a good evening
1: it was a good evening so yeah, what what was the evening exactly
3: uh Ruti wanted us to go out on the on the wicket and just have a drink um to sort of take it all in um and then he sort of no not him but someone convinced me that I needed to do a sort of like repeat performance of like my single so I did that someone filmed it and somehow it got out and I was just mortified and I was so embarrassed um but luckily it went down okay but, so you sort um, of did
1: your little nerdle off the hit.
3: yeah and it was kind of reminding me of club cricket days where you kind of sit out on the boundary afterwards and have a drink and yeah Rudy wanted to go out and just sort of Savor the moment and say that this is going to be one of the greatest Test matches ever. So, yeah, it was it was mad times, and then got a McDonald's drive through on the way home. So that was perfect.
1: McDonald's <laughs> drive through. That's God. It's,
2: it's that's the uh, uh, lowest well, common it's denominator 12,
3: Twelve o'clock curfew. So that's what we had
2: to do. Was there any moment of that partnership that you actually? Enjoy, Jack. I mean, when you when you were, when it was happening, did you? I mean, the, cra- the crowd noise on that Sunday at it was unbelievable. But of course, you hadn't achieved anything, mm. had you? You know, it was all very yeah. well, you know, Ben hitting the ball into the into the West Stand for six and playing those outrageous shots in the partnership building. But you actually, until you would won the game, in, yeah. in a way, it didn't. It didn't really matter, did it?
3: No. I mean, I didn't. No, I don't think you do enjoy any of it whilst it's going on. You just kind of. I did feel like the most focused I've ever felt. On a cricket pitch, it was just like literally taking a ball at a time. I felt very clear about what my part in it was once Stokes had told me. You know, to be honest, with 70 to win, I thought when like I thought I'd have to play a bit more of a part than um, that, but obviously, Stokes knew what he was capable of, and yeah, just big respect for him because um, I guess. Like for someone who I thought played off purely off instinct and, you know, was an amazing player, but actually the amount of like the plan that he had and and which bowlers he was going to target and um, which boundary he was going to target, you know, it's all very set out. And to see him pull that off and be part of that was was very special.
1: So what did he say to you during the, uh, what sorts of things did he say to you during the partnership then?
3: When I first went out there, he said, try and get through this over. So that was obviously how much he was backing me. Um, But then, uh, you know, I got through the over and he said, look, this is how it's going to work. We're going to, I'm going to face four or five balls of every over, you know, be ready to run two. So we tried to like, you know, there were big boundaries. So actually, you know, they put everyone out on the boundary and we were quite surprised about that, that there were those opportunities for twos as well. And, And then in between, it's just like, keep going you know just all the normal stuff that you say that means absolutely nothing but um just trying to stay very focused I think because it was very clear like the the crowd was going absolutely mental and I've never experienced anything like that and even when we had sort of 60 50 40 to win it was still like they were I think they were loving that we were underdogs and we probably weren't going to do it you know so we just wanted to stay focused and as it gets closer it gets harder and you know suddenly there's not nothing to lose. You feel like you can win it. So, um, yeah, that was kind of where it switched and suddenly you were like, right, we've got to do this. And I remember seeing the, um, security guys coming out onto the boundary when we needed like four or five to win. And I thought, oh, we've like, they think we've done it. And then I was like, oh no, no, like we haven't done it. Like until it's done, it's not done. So it's just trying to stay in the moment as much as possible. in in that
2: circumstance, I think. At what point did you did you think it was on re- realistically on?
3: Well, Rooty said to me before I went in. He said, "Whilst there's two of you out there, it's not over." And I was like, "All did right, believe that." You believe mate. that? Yeah. Did you believe <laughs> that? <laughs> I just thought in my head, I was like, "Yeah, okay, whatever." Um, but then obviously, like, I go out there like believing that I can like defend my wicket and like I do believe that I can bat and. Obviously, I've seen what Stokes has done in the World Cup a couple of weeks, uh, you know, a couple of months beforehand. So, yeah, I guess it's not about believing that you you don't look at that end target. You just kind of break it right down and you're actually just taking a ball at a time. And that's what I loved about the whole experience was actually how much I wasn't thinking about the end. I was thinking about the next ball in front of me and um, making sure I I was well prepared to face that ball and then. Other than that, it was, um, yeah, that's how it went.
2: That's Here's good. a question from Ian Wigston. He says, Jack, given the choice between being on the honours board at Lords or getting over the line at Headingley, which would you have preferred? Because, of course, early in that summer, you made 92 against Ireland in the in the one-off test match, and, and you were very close to getting on the, the honours board for your batting. So, yeah, which, which would you have preferred?
3: That's such an easy question. I think i wouldn't change anything obviously Headingley in the ashes like um and you know i like i am a team man um so for me like we won that island game which is perfect and we won the Headingley game so i uh, wouldn't change anything definitely not but i am gutted that i was eight runs short so annoyed like I I wasn't annoyed at the time. I was like, I got ninety two at Lords. Like, this is the best thing ever. And then I was driving home a couple of days later, and I was like, eight more runs, and you'd be on the board forever. Like, but it's just giving me motivation to be there with the ball in the future. So yeah.
1: And what about you, Sophie? What's your um? What's your career highlight so far?
0: I think I've had a few, but I think I think it'll be my test debut in Australia. I think my mum and dad were there. They were first time in Australia. And I think it was my first Ashes tour, first big tour away from home. And I made my Ashes debut. So I think it was quite a big thing for me. And to play my first Ashes was quite an experience, really.
1: Do, do you want to play more Test cricket? Because you've only played two, Tests, haven't you?
0: Yeah, it's something I really look forward to. I think it's such a change, like like Red Bull cricket, get your whites on. I think it's something we'd all love to play more of. Uh, I think playing that one test match every two years is not enough. I think it'd be great to play some more, but I'm not, I'm not sure. But I'm I, in the future, I reckon it'll be a big thing for us.
2: In which form of the game do you think you're the most effective? then? Long form red ball, uh, ODIs, T20? I know you're world T20, number one uh, bowler, but w- w- what do you think your game is most suited to?
0: Yeah, T20, definitely. I'm working on my ODI ball at the moment because I've, I'm really bad because I get really impatient after bowling the same ball for a while. That's a big thing that I'm working on. I get a bit impatient and then I try and change something. So definitely T20 because I'm always in a battle. You're always in a battle when you come on. But in the ODR, I think I've got a bit of work to do.
1: Jeff says, Sophie, your batting seems to be improving. Do you aspire to push up the order?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think it's a big thing for me now. I really want to be a batter. And I think I'm starting to show what I'm capable capable of. I think I've been... In the last few years, it's like, oh, I'll we'll put stuff down the order. She's still quite young, but I don't want to be classed as young anymore. I want to get up the order and be an all-rounder, really.
1: Right, right. Otherwise, it's boring. What about you, Jack? Get up That's, the order?
3: Well, when I, when I in the age group stuff,
0: because I bowled a lot of overs,
3: I was always just, oh, you're, you know, you had the number 12 that could, could bowl. Um, so, I didn't actually bat at all.
0: Yeah, that um, was quite me.
3: Really, yeah. And yeah. so, like, I just didn't. Um, get much opportunity to bat in games. You know, I practice in the nets, but there's nothing like actually being out there. And and so for a while, you know, you go out there and you just get out for naught, a hundred um, percent. So yeah, I think um, it's taken a while to kind of sort of take my batting seriously, but also have other people take it seriously as well. And um, I enjoy batting, and I don't know about getting up the order. I I, I feel like I wanna. I know my my place in the team is is really depends on my bowling so I want to keep working as hard as I can on my bowling and not put that you know put that second or anything but I always keep working hard at my batting I guess those kind of moments in the summer or last summer kind of give me that what you can add to the team with the bat wherever you bat so it's important
2: to keep working at it definitely I mean one point about the the Headingley last wicket partnership is it actually for Somerset you'd been involved in some really nail-biting finishes hadn't you in the, in the championship in in recent years you, you sort of it, it wasn't in some ways it wasn't a completely new experience
3: yeah that's true actually we had one against Surrey where I came in with like 60 to win I think and managed to do that and um we had another well I had another one for club which I say is right up there with heading me for me we won we needed 70 off six overs or something and I got like 14 not out um, and the other guy got 70 not out and honestly I don't think I've ever enjoyed cricket as much as that day it was the final at the county ground and I was 15 year old lad and um, it doesn't get better than that so yeah that was right up there as well so I've had that experience I guess as a tailender. that's you're there at the end of the game so if things are getting tight you will be involved in those kind of moments you know I think a lot of tailenders now actually think oh I try and hit runs as quickly as possible and and play attackingly." like I think there's still room for like someone who can stay around with someone who's who's batting well in the in the top or middle order so um, I guess it's about trying to fulfill different kind of roles within that lower order position.
2: I think you should name the person who made the seventy not out. I think he. I think he deserves his moment of, of fame. Can you? Can you, make, can
3: you remember? Can you remember who it was? Yeah, Ali Ali Warren.
2: Well done. Well, well done, Ali Warren. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah.
3: He, he was good. He was um, Ben Stokes of that day.
2: John Lister
1: says, "Sophie, how is women's cricket in India, and is it well supported? Any tips for Jack prior to his visit?
0: Uh, no, I think it's well supported in India. I think else." When I was away a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to the girls about cricket in India and they've got really good upcoming youngsters and some of them were in the squads and I was thinking, oh, we need to get ready for them to come because there's 16-year-olds that are looking really good. And I think to see that so good women's cricket, I mean, I'm not sure how I feel about an England girl going to India in 10 years' time and playing against their young youngsters that are coming up now. But, yeah, it's so well supported, I think. Uh, the men's team's really good with the women's. I was talking to Smitty about it and, yeah, it seems really good for them.
1: Was it a bit of a shame that you only played three matches in that IPL female version?
0: Yeah, I genuinely I loved it. Like it's the the girls are so nice and the setup. I think the game just like they're really good. And I, well, I think there's supposed to be four teams this year, but because of COVID, I think that's been pushed back for a few years. But I'm hoping in a few years' time that we can have something that runs alongside the men's because it's, it's such a good tournament to be a part of.
2: Oh, do, you, do you sense that India in the women's game are going to go where India in the men's game are? have gone and are going, you know, being one of the, the, the dominant force in mean, Australia, are clearly the, the the best side in the world at the moment. England sort of snapping at their heels and New Zealand a little bit. Um, do, do you think India, it, will the game expand there sufficiently for them to, to really be a powerful nation in a, you know, a decade's time or even sooner than that?
0: Yeah. I don't know about the men's. I think it might be different, but um, I think when we taught India on their home soil, it's a really hard series. I think it's one we look forward to, so it's going to be a challenge. But when they're on the home soil, they're one of the best teams and they're really hard to beat. But when they go away from home, they're they're not, not as good, but they're a bit more uncomfortable away from their home. So when they come to England, they're I think they just need to improve on going away from home. Because in India, they're not conditioned really well. But when they come to England pitches or Australian pitches where there's more bounce and a more pace, I just think they struggle a bit more.
2: Yeah, I suppose that's true with the men's team, actually. Um, they've struggled in, in England in recent years, although they did win in Australia last time. It's going to be a fascinating series coming up in the next uh, few weeks, and they're, they're already uh, preparing for the... Talking, of, of, the talking
1: of Australia, there's, there's Alex Gaywood says, Jack, a lot is said about how English-style spinners don't have a lot of success when playing in Australia. If selected for next year's Ashes, will you be looking to alter your style and approach significantly? Have you sort of studied you know, the art of bowling spin in Australia? Or have you, have you done much of it?
3: I've uh, been there a couple of times with club sides. Um, and then we went there on a Lions tour as well and um, found it very different, to be honest. And watching a lot of their, you know, you know, guys from Australia bowl spin and watching Nathan Lyon is the amount of overspin they get on the ball. And um, I watched a as a zoom kind of call between lots of spin coaches and it was run by Nathan Lyon's coach. And, you know, he showed stats of Nathan Lyon uh, averages 30 in Australia, 30 overall. Other people are, you know, subcontinent spinners, um, English spinners, you know, that they're averaging in the the twenties, but overall, but in Australia it's very different story. So, Hmm. um, for me, I think, Looking at Nathan Lyon, how adaptable he is now to all conditions, it comes from that overspin that he gets on the ball. Um, and that when, talk, Tell the us running. about
1: overspin. I don't know if you've got a ball with you. You probably haven't, but. I don't what, know. How, how, how do you actually. What, what's the difference between overspin and side spin?
3: Uh, well, for me, like, obviously, I played on some wickets at Taunton that did spin, um, and I've found, like, sort of subcontinent style wickets. And um, on those wickets, I found that side spin. Really worked well because one would, you know, one skids um, and can hit them on the pad, and one will really rag side spin. You're trying to get right over the top, so that would be the main difference. But I think actually it's more the amount that you have to work your body to feel like you can get over the top of that ball. It requires, you know, it requires to be athletic and fit and strong and and have a strong action to do that. So that that's something that I look at now a lot is is how much overspin i'm getting on the ball because i i genuinely think that that is the answer in those conditions and i think obviously then you're getting that bounce um which is what can be lethal in in australia Um, you get drop as well so whereas side spin obviously is gonna either spin or go straight on which is amazing and and probably comes out flatter as well so in terms of you don't have to beat people in the air as much in subcontinent, I feel like you can actually go into the wicket a little bit more and beat people off the pitch. So
2: yeah, hmm. that's that's that's
3: what I, I think anyway.
2: Here's a question from Leslie Mayo. Um it's a question for Sophie. Are reduced boundaries really necessary in women's cricket, given that the best batters can comfortably get the ball into the stands?
0: Yeah, I think a few years ago maybe that was necessary, but I think now with how the game's improving now and especially with Australia, England, India, how all the teams hit the ball now. I've been watching some of the big bash and some of the girls are easily hitting into stands at some of the grounds. So I think in a few years' time, hopefully we'll get them back up because as spinners and as bowlers, I would like (laughs) more of a big boundary.
3: As big a boundary as possible.
1: It was an amazing day, that, wasn't it? And In a way, it's it's difficult to separate between that World Cup final and the Headingley Test match uh, a couple of months later. I mean, just two extraordinary days, which you just, you know, you can't write that kind of stuff, can you? It's it's stranger than fiction, those, those sort of events. So amazing to be part of that. And um, I suppose, it, you know, it, it's it's interesting, actually, that Jack is sort of puts that on a higher pedestal, that one knot out from... 17 balls than his 92 against Ireland when he could have got on the honours board but narrowly failed in the end. Okay, so the last part of our virtual cricket club is this special quiz we do with all the players. How well do you know yourself? Um, So far, Stuart Broad has proved he doesn't particularly. Uh, Joe Root a little bit better. Mark Wood and Phil Tufnell not bad. Now, how did Sophie and Jack get on. We put them together, so five questions each. (laughs) Right, the leader on the the leaderboard at the moment, the leader in the clubhouse, is Mark Wood and Phil Tufnell, tied on seven. So what we're going to do here is we're going to give you each five questions and if you get it right you get a... And if you get it wrong, you get you get one of those, right? <laughs> so the first question is to you, Jack. Mm. Um, when you made 92 against Ireland at Laws, who dismissed you? Tim Marta. He's got a- Easy one to start with. One out I'm of one. Yeah. Right, Sophie. <laughs> Sophie, who was your first one-day international victim, ODI victim? <laughs> um, I'll give you a clue. We play
0: she then? was a West
1: Indian. Oh god, this is not
0: good.
1: First um, really? one day international victim. Uh, West West
0: Indies. Hayley Matthews. Haley Matthews.
1: Yes. Well done. One out of one for you as well. So two out of two. Okay, Jack, you're one not out at Headingley. How many balls did you face in the ten wicket partnership of seventy six with Ben Stokes?
3: 17.
1: He's got it! I'm sure people have told you uh, that many times, actually. Well done. Well well remembered. uh, Three out of three. Sorry?
3: (laughs) I watch it every day.
1: You watch it every day. Do you?
3: No. (laughs)
1: Um, Right. Okay. Three out of three. Sophie, how many sixes have you hit in white ball internationals?
0: I don't think of it many. Okay. Four.
1: Four is it's correct. Gone. Very good.
0: Yeah, you're four. Funny. You're
1: doing well. You're storming ahead here. Four out of four. Right, Jack. How many first-class wickets have you taken? And if you, if you want me to give you a a, a spread, I can. D- do you know the exact number? You don't. know. Right. So is it right. two hundred and seventy-three, two hundred and ninety-three, or three hundred and thirteen? Two seventy-three, two ninety-three, or three hundred and thirteen. Two
3: ninety-three.
1: Very good. It's very good. Five out of five. You're going well. Uh, right. Same sort of question for you, Sophie, actually. How many international wickets have you taken? A lot.
0: <laughs> no, I don't think I'm actually on that many.
1: International wickets. So it's T20 and ODI together. No? Have a guess.
0: Is it three figures or less? Less. 86.
1: I can't give you that. It's 99.
0: <laughs> next options,
1: options. yeah, that's true. <laughs> I don't think you would have got it if I'd given you. Sorry, uh, if you'd have got, if I'd have given you options. Anyway, so as why well, it's only one down. that You're still doing well. So you've got five so out of your six. Next one,
3: your next wicket is a hundred.
1: Yeah, your next wicket is your hundred. Well, it's 99. it's a combination of ODI and T20. Yeah, that's oh, ninety-nine. Awesome. Okay. Well,
3: does that not include the test matches or not?
1: Uh, actually, it probably does. Sorry, yeah, it probably does so include all test all your, matches. Yeah, that's
3: in. So you've
1: actually taken six in tests, 37 in presumably ODIs, and 56 in T20, which adds up to 99. Okay, I, I can't give you a mark for that because you were so far away. Five out of six. Um, Jack, which bowler has got you out most in test cricket?
3: I've only, played- <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I've only played...
1: By the way, you're working together on this. It's not competitive, really. It's a com- it's a combined score, so you know five seconds, four, three, two, one. Hazel No, it's that's wrong. It's uh, it's um Pereira of Sri Lanka four times. Okay. Right. Um Sophie, so that's you've now got five out of seven. Come on, uh, Sophie, eighth question. You are number one in the world, T twenty rankings. Who is number two?
0: Oh <laughs> Megan Shot.
1: Yes, you got it. Oh. Very good.
0: Yeah. Six yeah. out
1: of eight. So if you, you get these two questions right, if you get these two questions right, you go to the top of the leaderboard. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. So Jack, your question. Which English spinner has taken the most test wickets?
3: What so currently? Bit,
1: no, and in, in, in all in all of all time.
3: Derek Underwood.
1: Very good. I was I was interested to know how good your history knowledge was. Yeah, historical no. knowledge was very good. Do you know how many wickets he took? Two
3: hundred and eighty.
1: Two hundred and ninety-seven. Actually, that's not part wow. of the question.
3: Seventeen off. Yeah,
1: bad. it was a good effort. Good effort. Uh, Two ninety-seven. <laughs> and in fact, if he'd uh, if the world eleven against England, the rest of the world eleven against England had counted as a Test match, he would have got three hundred actually. But it wasn't counted. Right. So you're seven out of nine. What? Now, is this question to go top of the leaderboard right for you sophie come yeah. on what according to your teammates is your most irritating habit
3: Whoa. and i'll
1: give you a clue who it is it's danny it's a, wyatt. danny wyatt correct oh, what did yeah. she say was your most irritating habit
0: gosh i don't know my nails, maybe? Your well, nails! Be- <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. that's exactly what she said. What what, what particular aspect of your nails?
0: What particular aspect?
1: You said getting- your nails.
0: I'm always complaining about getting them done.
1: Actually, she said biting them.
0: Oh, I don't bite my, my, my nails.
1: Oh, well. Anyway, I mean, luckily, you well, said not- nails, and that's good enough to get the answer right. She also said talking about Everton endlessly.
0: She <laughs> Port Vale and Stoke all the time, and then she says she's a United fan on the side. I'm like, that's a joke. Well, so she yeah. can't say anything. I'm going to speak to her after this.
1: Yeah, well, you should. You should <laughs> definitely do. Don't don't blame me though. I'm just a, I'm just the messenger. I'm just a question master. All right. Well, very good. You know, a round of applause gone. for that because you've 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 got you've got eight out of ten. So you have shamed. The England men into uh, second place and third and fourth. Well done. I'll make sure you're a, a, a written in, in gold lettering at the top of the leaderboard before next week. I'm just going to see if we've got any other questions. Um, Jack, who is your spinning idol? Says Jacob Matthew. Probably
3: Graham Swan. Graham um, Swan.
1: Watching bowl. Okay. Or
3: Sophie, obviously.
1: So, so Graham Swan. Yeah. Okay. This is from uh, Becky. How does the pressure of reaching personal milestones on the field affect you? This is for Sophie. I was thinking of Sophie getting her 50th ODI wicket in the final group match in the World Cup. So are you affected by, you know, personal milestones? Do you know about them?
0: No, I didn't have a clue. I didn't have a clue until someone brought a drink. And I was like, oh, it's both. Like, you need one more for 50th wicket. And I was like, do I? Are you sure? And Anya, <laughs> Anya who's the stato of the, of the group who knows everything, was like, yeah, I was looking at the <laughs> She's like a oh. line overnight, and then I got oh God. The line, yes. <laughs> no, I didn't realise. I'm not that good with stats. I don't really know how, and I don't know how many games I played for England now.
1: Question for for Sophie and uh, all of us uh, here, actually. Um, are there any rules? And this is from um, naughts again. Are there any rules that stop Sophie playing with a male county side? If you have the skills, surely that's enough. What's the story there? I mean. I think I honestly think that you could play county cricket. I think you bowl just yeah. about fast enough.
0: I get so many comments saying, "Why don't you play men's cricket?" So um, many.
1: And what's your view?
0: I mean, I'd love to. Like, I genuinely would love to. Like, it'd be would so you? good. I just, I'm not not being I'm not being an idiot, but I just feel like I feel like I could hold my own. I feel like some, some of the girls could.
1: What do you think, Jack? I mean, not not specifically about Sophie, but what do you think about a woman playing? In I Brooklyn. don't,
3: I don't want Sophie to come to Somerset. That's all I know. Um, but because <laughs> um, I went have a place, but you could um, have two. No, well,
1: you could have uh, two spinners. That, yeah, that, that Bunsen, you could, have, you could both yeah, be operating.
3: Yeah. I don't know about the rules or anything, but I think that would be great. Um, I didn't see any reason why it shouldn't happen. I Don't know whether it's possible or not. The
0: only thing that I would think of is obviously like when the boys are ball. If the boys would bowl at like us, like we're mm. not. 90 miles an hour
1: out our heads mm. yeah but you could so, get used to it though I mean you know it's just practice yeah, isn't it? yeah, I wasn't but yeah. I, listen I neither Jack or I are all that good at 90 mile an hour out our heads we have to deal with it uh, that's true I don't like it at all
0: do you not at all no do you think it's like really quick
3: yeah like yeah definitely definitely think it's quick but um you just have to try and yeah it's horrible like I think thing uh yeah but obviously I I bat down the order so I'm not facing it all the time so I feel like when you're in you are just kind of trying to stay out there for as long as possible but um yeah there's ways of definitely making it feel slower as well I think if you get like once you get over the kind of um anxiety I guess of like oh it's quick and actually because to start with your body wants to like move like before the ball's been released to try and like help you play it like better but actually that's the worst thing you can do you need to just stay still and wait for it and once I kind of worked that out I found it a lot easier
0: so you don't move when the ball gets bowled, really I tried
3: to stay as still as possible like obviously I trigger but then I try and stay still and then wait for them to release it and then move like react like make sure that I'm reacting to what's happening rather than trying to guess what's happening before it's happened um I guess that's like what I find it's like if someone like went to like punch like in a boxing fight if someone punch, goes to punch you know you automatically like move out the way yeah um like that's what I, I found but I got hit by Mornay Morkel like quite hard and got concussion and it took me a long time to like work it out again because I felt like I just I just was so scared so it does take time and I think um yeah it's like, like some people hate it Um, But I've I've managed to find the technique. I I
1: did an experiment, actually, um, with a special camera, which focuses on the eye looking at what you're looking at. And I did it with Nick Compton when he was still playing for England. And we basically um, faced the same bowler who was bowling about 80, 75, 80. And we looked at what our eye picked up. And the fact is, and this is a little bit of science here, your eye cannot adjust to the, uh, a ball at 80 miles an hour and focus on it all the way down. So you have to pick points as it's coming down to to focus on. And the better players almost have a sixth sense that the ball, which was released, released like this and down into the ground, is going to be somewhere here. And their whole body reacts to it slightly quicker. But it's, yeah. there's a lot of premeditation and almost guesswork and it's, yeah. it's almost like training the brain in a way. And Nick Compton, needless to say, was, was a f- ahead of the ball as it came down. I was slightly behind as it came down. But you can definitely train your body. And, so, you know, mm. some batsmen are obviously just better at picking up the ball than others, but mm. you can tr- definitely train yourself to, to improve anyway. Definitely. So there's hope for you, Sophie. I, well, you could be well, gr- incredibly groundbreaking. You could be – I always thought, actually, Sarah yeah. Taylor might end up because um, a, a, a woman, a female fast bowler or seam bowler is probably never going to play first class men's cricket because you're just not quick enough. But a spinner or a wicket keeper, I reckon definitely could.
0: No, I'd genuinely love to. that would be so like, genuinely love to. I mean, I just Ooh. love to put the men in the nets. Like when I'm playing at length, i would just like, if they would like, would you bowl a couple of overs? Like, I'd genuinely love to just see what it's like.
1: Sophie and Jack um, says, Terry, have you trained together? No. Yeah. Would it be worth hiring England at full-time spin gurus to work with both of you?
3: We're still waiting to find out who is with us over the winter, but um, I think in county cricket as well, it's something that's not... Obviously, there's no sort of funding for a spin specialist coach, so quite often you're working with um, seam bowling coaches, which is... I, I don't mind that. I mean, you know, the basics of bowling is is um is good to know from, from them but I guess it's having that experience of someone who's been there and done it and I guess as a spinner you feel sometimes like you're the only spinner in the team so it's like quite you're quite a individual thing and so to have that coach to kind of sort of discuss ideas with I think is is a nice thing. But um mm. Sophie do you have a spin coach?
0: Yeah we've got Gareth Breeze. I don't know if you know him.
3: yeah yeah from Play yeah, for Durham.
0: Yeah, he's been working with us quite a lot now. And I've been, okay. All the spinners work well with him, so I think it's quite good yeah. to him as a spin coach.
1: I mean, probably. it's it's yeah. just talking about, I think, I mean, Tuffers, who was on this last week, said, you know, talking with John Embry about spin, the art of spin, not necessarily the technique of it, but, you know, John Embry was meticulous about how he set his field. You'd move his a field of one inch one way or the other, and, you know, just little subtle changes of different batsmen, um, different styles of bowling, different field settings and things, you know, it, it's it's such an art really that I think the more you can talk about it, probably the better in a way. So there you go, really intriguing 40 minutes or so of chatting to the two premier left-arm spinners in the English game. Poor old Jack's really had very little opportunity over the summer of 2020, but perhaps uh, things will change in 2021. And Sophie, well, she's uh, just going from strength to strength and looking incredibly good in the women's game. No one seems to be able to play her that confidently. And she did really well in that little tournament in the UAE featuring three Indian-based teams. Very interesting to see if she ever gets a chance to play in the men's game. It's, uh, well, you know, I think she could probably do pretty well in the men's game, but it will take quite a, a sort of change in perception and, and attitudes and also probably rulings to allow her to actually do that. It, it may never happen, but it would be an interesting uh, experiment anyway. So that's it for this week. Uh, Don't forget next Thursday night we have Alistair Cook in the Virtual Cricket Club. So you can join us by going to worldsbestcricketclub.com And follow the instructions there. As I say, £6 a month buys you a lot of value. Uh, There are also interesting memorabilia, signed memorabilia pictures to win as well. So trying to add lots of little features to that Thursday night experience. And our next podcast will actually be about probably the most famous cricketer in England. Mr Ian Botham, we should call him Lord Botham now of course, and actually it's a special day on Tuesday, so we're going to have a beefy special podcast featuring him and some other people who know him pretty well. So look out for that on Tuesday evening, and don't forget to subscribe to the beer52.com slash cricket site to get your eight free craft beers. Hope you enjoy that. Hope you can join us for Tuesday and Thursday next week. Thanks for listening.
0: Podcast Network.